Hey there, everybody. This is McThane representing XP Gains with my stalwart co-host, Mr. Silverstrike. And today we're going to be starting the first episode in a short multi-part series that we wanted to do about what we personally love about games and also what we feel makes a really great game in general. So today we're going to kick things off with the survival genre as well as the RPG genre. We're not going to be going too deep into anything in particular, so it will be a somewhat shorter format than our previous episodes if you've listened to those and thought, uh, those are kind of long. So uh, yeah, don't worry too much about that. We're going to try and keep it brief. I think we're trying to keep it under an hour. And um, yeah, so uh, is there anything that you wanted to add? Well, you know what I'm going to say. Enjoy the episode, everybody. So if you had to choose a, a genre to like start the conversation with, what would you pick? What genre do you play the least? Um, Jeez. You don't play much in the way of MOBAs, but I'd no. say you play even less survival, probably. The funny thing about survival, and this is this is an interesting one. Maybe this is a, a neat one to kick off with. Can you name because, a few? Like survival games? Okay, so this is kind of where it begins to get interesting, in my opinion, because survival is this interesting little subgenre of shooters, but it isn't necessarily a shooter, and it isn't necessarily anything else. Generally speaking, what defines a survival game is certain core mechanics, ideas of resource gathering, resource mm -hmm. management, base building, tech advancement, um, some kind of general progression. Yeah. But if you were only to identify those factors, those are also common to several other forms of games like RPGs and also RTSs. Yeah. Generally speaking, it's a player character focused, usually first or third person. Mm -hmm. immersive experience that involves those those aspects of resource management, base building, tech advancement, and things like that. But yeah. generally speaking, you wouldn't call an RTS a survival game because generally speaking, the point is to beat your opponent yeah. with strategy and things like that. You can involve strategy in a survival game, but the survival game usually has aspects of things like food and water. It usually has aspects of limited stamina Yeah, yeah. and other things. So... I guess you could call it a realism shooter, kind of. Yeah. But, of course, because it's video games, people immediately turn it into something that's not realistic. Have you played um, Fallout New Vegas? Yes, I have. There's a hardcore mode that basically yes. turns the game into a survival mode game. That was the entire reason I bought Fallout New Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. But for me... It had that, even and it was excellent in, in the storytelling department as well. Yes. Even uh, this is the interesting thing, because I would call that a hardcore RPG with survival elements, survival mechanics. Yeah. I would not really call that a survival game because it's not open enough. Oh, yeah, me. definitely. It's much more of an RPG. But this also blurs the line because you've got games like Survival, uh, sorry, uh, Ark, Survival Evolved. Mm hmm. And in Ark Survival Evolved, you also have RPG elements, not so much in the role playing, but mm -hmm. more in the fact that you have a typical RPG style progression where your character levels up over time and is able to produce new pieces of equipment that are more advanced than what they could do before. Right. And various other things. So there is that kind of vague progression system. But this is this is where survival becomes interesting for me because I'm going to list off a few things that I've been thinking about over the last couple of days. So I'm a little bit more primed for this than I am for the other topics. Yeah, sure. The cool thing about the survival genre for me is that there are two sides overall in the survival genre. 
on the one side, you tend to get games that essentially the the end game for the survival mechanics is PvP. So you are gathering the resources, building your base, advancing technology and all, all that to do PvP and to be more effective at the PvP. But then you have this other side of the genre in which you have more of a single player or a co-op approach. Mm-hmm. So you have games like Don't Starve, which are co-op and they're almost totally focused on resource management. You have games that are co-op and they're focused on exploration and a narrative like The Forest or um, like Subnautica, which I have not played, but I'm really looking forward to. And I've been doing a lot of looking at it recently. Um, and that is a single player exploration and narrative based experience as well. And these have absolutely no PVP in them at all, really, unless you count, you know, murdering your allies in co-op mode, Yeah, which I would say is <laughs> probably not really that core to the yeah, experience. Yeah, not really the point <laughs> of this, yeah, of the game. Yes, precisely. So you have all of these different gameplay styles that all have the same core elements of exploring, gathering, and so on. And yet... I would put down survival as one of my favorite genres, but I don't have any particular game in the survival genre that I've really, really adored. And that's really interesting because I would still call the overall genre a favorite, Mm -hmm. even though I don't actually have a favorite game. The one I've probably played the most is Ark. Um, But this kind of comes back to my love-hate relationship with survival games because... I love the exploration. I love the gathering. I love the resource management, the base building, the tech advancement. I love all those things. I find them very enjoyable. Yeah. But I hate with a passion the unbalanced predatory PvP on one side of the genre and the slow pace and lack of replay value or or lack of multiplayer capability so I can't play it with my friends on the other side of the genre. So my ideal survival game has never been made, which is <laughs> it's right. really kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I really like those aspects, but there there isn't a game that has a good pace that also is not totally annoying to play. Right. So what would, um, what would that look like, your ideal survival game? So I've been thinking about this over the last few days um, and several weeks before that and several weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Um, off and on. What I would like to see is something like you drop into the map, it's co-op, so you don't have the the balance pressure and the, the predatory nature of the typical PvP survival experience. It's it's not a free-for-all. It's co-op. No. Yeah. I, I would want it to be co-op in an open world so that you do have that exploration possibly with a procedurally generated map, or at least some things are random so that it is important that you have exploration and uh, like scanning capabilities or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you would drop into an open world, but it would be co-op. So you don't have the the competitive pressure and the balance pressure as well of PVP. It would be objective driven so that there is still a point to what you're doing, but because the objectives can be widely varied it has replay value where a single narrative like a linear a single linear narrative does not have as much gravity to keep you playing unless you just really enjoy playing the game in and of itself mhm yeah and it would be time bound 
So this would be something like it, it doesn't have to be a specific time limit intrinsically. It could mm -hmm. be. But it would have pace in the same way that a game like StarCraft II has pace. You can build so fast in, in StarCraft II and you can build technology and you can build a big army and other things so quickly in StarCraft II that it's almost unthinkable that a game would go on for hours and hours and hours in the way that a typical survival game does. Does that make sense? I mean, I know it's probably happened somewhere at some time, but your typical StarCraft II game yeah, is yeah, probably yeah. over within half an hour. Yeah, definitely. Right? Even even like team versus team games can be over in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. There have definitely been exceptions, even at tournaments, but that usually just ends up being like some cheesy builds or like Broodlord versus Broodlord, you know, has been known to go on <laughs> for quite a bit. So Yeah, I can I can really see that one happening. But as you say though, you I mean you've said yourself in your own words that that, that is an exception. Yeah, definitely. That's not you you don't even with very, very high level players, you don't expect it to stall out that way. Right. So you want um, a game that you can play and that doesn't that isn't slow, that has a good pace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And would that be something that you can that is like infinitely replayable in, in like a single session, or do you want it to be over after like forty minutes and then you have to start from scratch? So I was thinking about this as well. I would like for there to be that nice dual progression track system like you have in this. This is where, again, we start getting into some interesting territory here because I was thinking about this. What do I want out of survival game? And I thought about what we've talked about. I want pacing. I want it to be action oriented. I want it to still have those survival elements, but I want it to be co-op. I want it to be um, more objective driven. So it feels like it has a purpose, even the 10th or 15th time you've done it. Um, and it can be somewhat randomized and the difficulty can be increased and all those factors. And I started thinking about other games that have all of these factors and offer, you know, the co-op gameplay, the time, the, mm -hmm. the well-paced experience and so on. And the number one example that I came up with was the co-op mode in Starcraft two. Right. That's what I want. But I don't want to play an RTS. I want that to be like a third or first person <coughs> shooter. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. much more personally engaging. Mm -hmm. So it would be almost you could you you could take something like the um StarCraft II co-op mode and give me just control of one of the hero units, like like Alarak, who you really like to play, or Dahaka or Phoenix. Yeah. Or somebody like that. At that point it would become almost like a MOBA, but if you made that a third person control scheme and you yeah. added in more prominent attacks and things like that, you could have something very, very cool where you build up game to game. But the reason why the co-op mode is is very particularly significant for this is not just the co-op gameplay. It's also the fact that your actual commander levels up and unlocks new units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And new abilities. So, and there's a general progression system. Yeah. So I think that overall feel would actually be very, very cool. Mm -hmm. And you could streamline the resource gathering compared with other survival games in the same way that they have in, in most RTS games where the resource gathering is very streamlined so that it's more about managing and making smart decisions with your resources. And the resources are more about controlling opportunity cost as opposed to walking around hitting rocks with a pickaxe for hours on end, which right. I can't think that anyone would realistically defend that as a game mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't see that happening. Right. Um, 
maybe in survival games because they are PvP, and the whole point is that when you're gathering, you're vulnerable. Yeah, which which games are famous for having that mechanic? Hitting things with a pickaxe? Besides Minecraft. Almost every survival game that I can think of off the top of my head. So uh, probably... Well, everyone where you gather resources in that manner. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, I have not played, but I think in DayZ uh, and H1Z1, it's more about scavenging, more like uh, PUBG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you pick up things. Um, but anywhere that you gather resources, so that would be Rust, Ark. Those are the two that come to my mind immediately. Those are very prominent games. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, have, uh, I have not played those, so <clears throat> I couldn't yeah. tell you anything about those. Well, yeah, both of them involve a very a very high degree of punching things to get resources, basically. And it, it, it does. It becomes time-consuming. It becomes repetitive very quickly. And I know that there will probably be listeners who are saying, well, you know, why not just go on a high-rate server then? But that's kind of the point. I don't want to bypass the resource management. I enjoy the resource management. Mm-hmm, I just don't yeah. want it to be a pain in the butt, yeah. right? I don't want it to be a massive waste of my time. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of thinking that I would like to avoid that type of mechanic and turn it into more resource management rather than, um, making the resource gathering in and of itself, just a big time sink and a chore. Right. Yeah. Um, and you could do other things like streamlining, well, streamlining almost everything, streamlining the base building so that unlike in most survival games, you're not placing, uh, Buildings wall by wall and foundation by foundation, you could make it more like StarCraft, where every building has a purpose. Uh-huh. And um, you can you can produce walls, which will block the enemy's progress, but you kind of do so either by placing your existing buildings in a specific formation or by creating redundant buildings. You know, like when in in the super late game, you might get people building engineering bays, for example, to create a wall because it's the most hit points per mineral spent that you can get. Yeah. As, as a Terran. And you, you will, of course, build depots so that you can raise and lower them, but you're going to build walls largely out of um, out of engineering bays and things as well. So, Or in the early game, of course, using your barracks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for me, that would be pretty much my ideal experience. I'd, lo- I'd love to bring to the survival genre what Left for Dead brought to the shooter genre, making it a really self-contained very focused, directed, smooth experience mm-hmm. from start to finish. And I, I think that would be a huge amount of fun to play. Yeah. That sounds like something I could get into. Because I have many I have many <laughs> problems with the survival genre. Yes. And I, I think I've actually addressed most of them pretty much mm-hmm. directly. Yeah, you, you um, have. One of the interesting things about our talks uh, going on as long as they have and the, the really interesting deep conversations that we've had about this sort of thing are that your your insights into these matters have rubbed off on me and i i kind of i was channeling you while i was thinking about this <laughs> and I, I was thinking yeah he would say that gathering resources is boring and time consuming and a pain in the ass <laughs> that's yeah. what he'd say um he would say that the pvp is stupid because if there are 10 people who are you know school age kids and they just come online and decide they're going to wreck you and it's just you and two of your friends playing well you're going to get wrecked because 10 versus 3, well, the odds are not in your favor. Yeah. So um, there's there's no reasonable situation where you're going to come out on top consistently. Um, in fact, quite the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so. Yeah, um, so to go back on, uh, to, to go back to the, the survival genre in general, um, as you know, I don't, okay. I don't generally play a lot of survival stuff. 
No. And if I had to say, like, what survival-like games did I play and enjoy, I would say um, Minecraft uh, in its heyday, like, when it was in beta. Hell, even when it was in alpha, I think I was, like, as one of the earlier people to get into the game. Uh, and, you know, play that a lot. Um, and, and the thing with Minecraft is that you can make it as difficult as you want. Um, you can go in very under-equipped or very over-equipped into certain situations. And especially during the alpha and beta days, you did not have stuff like regenerating health. There was no food, so damage was permanent. Uh, the game was overall very nasty. Uh, and uh, a bit hard. Wow, that sounds yeah, that sounds really brutal. There was also no creative mode. Wow, jeez. So initially, the game was very much you were playing survival mode when it was those early versions. There was no creative mode. There was no god modes or anything. You would create a server, and if you wanted diamonds, you better mine, and you better mine during the day, or you know have some weapons because otherwise, a creeper might come and blow you up. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talking about this now because the way that I've described I've had I've had several adult friends who have kids and um family members who have kids who are getting into Minecraft and becoming very uh passionate about the game. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh particularly a couple of years ago when as you say it was in its heyday and yeah. they were really concerned about their kids getting into this game and I said honestly if you're looking at that game and thinking that that's taking over your kid's life you should really think about how some kids get into Lego because yeah. functionally that is the modern equivalent mm -hmm. of Lego bricks. Exactly. And far less expensive for parents too. <laughs> yeah, because you buy it once and yeah. they can have all they want, basically, yeah. I used to have Absolutely. a lot of a lot of Lego and my parents bought, you know, tons of Lego for me and Yeah, me too. It was the it was a very creative thing and Minecraft kind of channeled the inner child in me. And uh, I was building all this cool stuff. And that is one of the things, like, it really channels creativity in a way that... And as a child, mm -hmm. you really have that, too, a lot of it. And it doesn't... It get, it gets kind of knocked out of you when you get into the real world. And that's what I really like about Minecraft. There's no constraints, no limits. Like, you're not going to run out of blocks all of a sudden in Minecraft. You can just build whatever the fuck you want, how big you want it to be, or small. Yeah. You can just do whatever you want. And, and of then, course, it's an infinitely procedurally generated world. So as you say, you literally cannot run out. Yeah. And also the the idea that there's mods for all kinds of stuff that gives the game like tons of extra expansion options um, and modability. So that's really cool. And then the other mm -hmm. survival thing that I also um, played, and, and I played a lot of that, um, and I think it it definitely falls under under the kind of survival genre is the Call of Duty zombie mode. Yeah, that's a kind of pseudo survival where that's you start like, off that's like, with yeah, nothing, like survival. a single a single pistol, and you work your way up to the mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. to the pack of punched weapons. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, I think I did like round forty five or fifty once. Um, Man. That's pretty long. Like you, you're you're playing the game for like two hours, two hour, two hours and a half. Yeah, well, it's uh, further than I ever got. That's for sure. Yeah, you need a dedicated group of friends to do that. Um, 
and then like figure out a strategy. Um, like I played that game mode the most until I would, I want to say kind of Black Ops 2. That's when we kind of stopped playing it. Uh, and, and in after Black Ops 2, they also did uh, various maps with all kinds of special Easter eggs and interactions. They were there in a, you know, kind of a limited way in the, in the first Black Ops. Uh, but they later ended up expanding that and I never got into that, but, um, mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. I wish like, Oh, can't, maybe I should go back and play some zombies, but it's just not the same anymore, uh, as it used to be. It was much slower paced initially. And that's what I really liked about it. The zombies couldn't really run at you except in the later levels or like on the, the bigger maps. My favorite map of the zombie mode is still the first one from World at War that they later ported over is Nacht der Untoten, like Night of the Dead, basically. And it's this small bunker mm -hmm. with one mystery yeah. box. And the game always goes the same way, but it's 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 always so fun to just shoot at the zombies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think uh, the, the interesting thing about this is that you're using this as an example of, of the survival genre. And... I, I can't disagree with you because it has all those kind of progression elements. It has the fear of death. It has the constant struggle to, to just live. Yeah. Um, and you have resources as in points that you need to accumulate and, and spend yeah, carefully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause if except you, instead of like hitting things with a pickaxe, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you kill enemies. Yes, exactly. It's a simple, no, I think that's simplified really cool. uh, system really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, uh, the thing that really interested me in the game. I remember seeing somebody play it once and I think it was a friend in university actually. And he was saying over voice chat to one of his teammates, leave a crawler, leave a crawler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To and I was, I, I asked him after he stopped saying that, what, what is a crawler? And he said, okay, so you basically shoot the legs off of a zombie. So it moves really slowly and it's really weak. Mm -hmm. And then you have all the time you need as long as you keep kiting around. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was just really cool that you could do something like that if you were clever. Yeah. You leave one you alive. Could, it yeah, crawls you just around leave one. and then you have some time to, you know, reload your weapons, buy new equipment and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. But, um, Okay, so I feel like survival is uh, pretty much talked out at this yeah. point. So why don't you slam it out of the park with our next category? Right, so let's see. I really... There was a, 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 a specific time uh, a few years ago when I played through the Mass Effect games, which are a hybrid between a third-person shooter with RPG elements uh, and this kind of space opera narrative. And yeah. then there's the way the series kind of evolved into more of a third-person action game and less of a, a true RTS game, but there was still like some RT, um, RPG components. Yeah, I was going to say RPG. RPG. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, like quests. Uh, and a quest log, but those are like super simplified in 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 the later games. Mm -hmm. I remember one particular component of that game really um, 
kind of uh, surprising me in a way that I did not expect. And that was the, um, the included encyclopedia that they added to the game that was fully voiced. And that kind of gave you an impression of how big this universe really was. And Interesting. So what, what game was that actually in? That was the first Mass Effect. Right, okay. So that had the, the galaxy uh, explanations. And as you got further through, a, through the story, you, ha you had more galaxy like encyclopedia entries added. So at the start of the game, you know a little bit about like the Turians um, were the first aliens that the humans met in the Mass Effect universe. Mm -hmm. And then you get a little bit of information about what they call the first contact war. And then you, mm -hmm. you kind of get introduced to the subject. So there's conversations in the game. There's items in the game that explain it, but there's also the like extended lore that you can get through the uh, encyclopedia. So I think in that regard, like storytelling can be done really well in, um, in, in RPGs that is just, you know, blows everything out of the park. And in third person games, like The Last of Us, for example, is also a third person game. It's not an art and um, it's not an RPG, but it's a third person action game with like a very powerful story mm -hmm. in the same way that the uncharted series, for example, on the PlayStation, it's the same. You've got lots of shooting bad guys, but it's uh, beautiful, um, vistas, beautiful locations. There's always this moment when you, you see the, the legendary location, or the legendary treasure at the end of the game that they finally discovered after all this work. And there's like the, the token bad guy that they have to defeat. And then they have to inventively use the treasure that they found to defeat the bad guy, <laughs> which is always yeah. fun. So these third person games really do a fantastic job of giving you a, an interesting narrative. Um, I wonder why it tends to be the third-person games, actually, because I've noticed this as well. Yeah. Um, they, they do often seem to have a stronger sense of place as well, mm -hmm. yeah, which definitely. is very strange because you would have thought you'd have the strongest sense of place when you see it through your own eyes, quote-unquote. Yeah. And yet I, I often find maybe in a way being a fly on the wall and watching the character as they fit into the environment yeah. allows you to put yourself in that position better. When you can't really see your hands and feet and things like that. And I know that shooters have made huge leaps and bounds. Yeah, um, yeah, First-person shooters specifically have made huge leaps mm -hmm. and bounds in this regard with how they interact with the surrounding environment. Um, it's been a long time since we got on ladders without seeing our hands and feet. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't think it's ever quite managed to capture the same sense of immersion. Yeah. Which have, is kind of an interesting, an interesting aside. Have you played the... Um the original three God of War games are one of them. I've played the very first one. So the very first one, yeah. So what I found interesting, it's also like a third person game, although mm -hmm. it's not like fully third person because there's dynamic camera angles, but you see the person uh, or like the character from a third person uh, mm -hmm. view mm -hmm. over the shoulder or otherwise. Fairly typical following camera. Yeah. yeah. And then it's easier to transition into a cutscene or... Um, like a story element when you have these dynamic camera angles, like Uncharted makes like excellent use of this. And what's interesting, and the reason why I'm bringing up God of War is that the new God of War that's coming out like this April, 
mm-hmm. actually has no transitions. It's fully like you go from gameplay to cutscene, and there is no like fade to black or anything. You just straight up go into the cutscene, straight up go into this like fully transparent process. Interesting. So you just lose control of your character, and the cutscene happens yeah. basically. Yeah. <clears throat> I kind of miss the interactive, um, the interactive cutscenes that they had in games like um, Half Life Two, right? Yeah, where uh, there would be dialogue going on and people would be interacting and things like that. But you could walk around and yeah, just mess yeah, with yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I found that I found that an interesting way of telling the story. Um, and I know that Half Life Two is, in a way, Half Life Two is one of the worst examples you can use for this because Half Life Two got so many things right in general mm-hmm. that it's it's very easy to point at that and say, this is great, but actually really that game just did everything very well. Mm-hmm. So I could certainly see the interactive cutscene going very, very badly, being yeah. incredibly boring, mm. feeling incredibly confined. And in, in many senses, actually being worse than traditional cutscene, where at least you can go to the bathroom if you want to, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, if you don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, some interesting – actually, this takes me very, very momentarily. I promise I won't dwell on it, but this actually takes me back to the survival <laughs> yeah. genre uh-huh. very briefly because I really like the way certain survival games tell a story. Mm-hmm. And what I would call this is the discovered story. You could play through the whole game and not care mm-hmm. at all about story. You could be like Lily Putter, who's like, story? Where? Where, where where's the opposite direction I can run? Like, <laughs> yeah, I hate story. And then you yeah. get lore hounds like myself and uh, our mutual friend Mr. Jeers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we get really into that stuff. I don't know where you stand on that on that scale. I but. think I'm somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> sometimes I can really enjoy it, and sometimes I just want to get on with the game. Yeah, it depends. Particularly on, after work. <laughs> yeah, it depends on on the kind of game too. I think if yeah. it's a very story driven mm-hmm. game, then I will be all about the story and all about uncovering all the little bits of information. And then yeah, if it's mm-hmm. a, it's a more difficult game or if it's less story-based, then I might not go as in-depth. Like one of yeah. the things that I, um, <clears throat> that I thought that Bethesda does really well with the, the Elder Scrolls and, uh, and, and Fallout, the recent Fallout games anyway, um, is the kind of, storytelling that they do by putting stuff in the environments that you can deduce. So for example, in Fallout, uh, like there's two corpses um, in one of the Fallout shelters huddling close together. And then there's like another corpse um, like in the corner somewhere. And there's like, I don't know, a pipe nearby. And then turns out if you read the terminal story, um, it turns out that they had to knock this guy out with a pipe because he was attacking them or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's not explained even. You have to kind of uh, deduce what happened uh, just by looking at the environment. And it's not explicitly stated what happened, but you can kind of figure it out. Yeah, see, this is exactly what I'm talking about um, with the discovered story. You can do this in terms of like chunks of narrative. Um, the game Fear, First Encounter Assault mm-hmm. Recon did that, yeah. where you had all these answering machine messages that you could get. Wait, is that and what it stands for? Yeah, Fear is First Encounter Assault Recon. Today I learned. It's 
it it says it on the box, man. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, I've never played Fear. I, I really enjoyed Fear. I really enjoyed the first one. I really enjoyed one other one, but I, then I think I it was the a, third one. I played. A, I think a Fear Three was awful. I played a section of the second game uh, because a, f- a friend lent me the game, and I played through like the first uh-huh. 30, 40% of the game, and then mm-hmm. he had to get his game back and <laughs> never finished it. Yeah, I never I wanted it enough to buy it. It's yeah. one of the very few games that I, I, I've i never finished. Like, that's really? maybe three games or, yeah, maybe there's three wow. games that I haven't finished. Like, um, Mirror's Edge... It was one of them. Like I also got that um, from a friend. Played it temporarily. Enjoyed it. Fear two, and I'm sure there's one other. Like I didn't complete Trine. I think. Oh, that's sad. Trine two is really good. Yeah, but I'm talking about the original one, like back on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And it was well, a bit, Trine and Trine and Trine two. It was a bit similar. finicky on the PlayStation. Ah, uh, okay. I With only played the, both of them on PC. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it's much, much more uh, enjoyable on the PC. I think I have right, them okay. on, on PC as well. Yeah, you should definitely check those out yeah. on PC if you mm-hmm. haven't yeah. uh, since then. But um, yeah, so getting getting back to the point though, this yeah. uh, this kind of storytelling thing was exactly what I was talking about where you have, you've, you've actually brought up a point I'd forgotten about and um, particularly the Fallout games are excellent for this, which is like deductive storytelling. Yeah. Where you you have to see it and you have to care enough to see the pattern, and that's really interesting because you feel like you're telling yourself the story, yeah, um, and you're figuring it out. And there are there are a million different explanations. I was uh, talking to uh, my wife recently about this. We were playing, I think it was Ark Survival Evolved, mm-hmm. and we were flying around this map exploring, and we found this little cairn of rocks up at the very top of a a mountain somewhere. And I said to her, this is what I love. What what developer put this here as this is my mark on the map? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just this tiny little thing. Yeah. And you, you have to look for it to find it. It doesn't have any real significance. But to me, that's what makes it really special is those touches. Yeah. And um, if you find the story, if you deduce the story for yourself as you're talking about or if you have story that you can access, if you care about it, like the answering machine messages and other things uh, from the Fallout universe, uh, as an example, I think those are some of the most impactful, some of the most powerful means of storytelling. Yeah, because you you uncover them for yourself. Yeah, I, I just really like those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's in general what I really love about video games. To come back to the topic in general, Ooh. exploration and discovery in video games. Yeah, specifically finding something that is not in the real world. Yeah. Does that make sense? If you've if you've played a lot of games, in a way this is kind of a bad thing I guess, but the world gets kind of dull because you've seen so much cool stuff. Yeah, I I kind of know what you mean. Like people People have stepped outside the material universe in the way that we have. And I think you have to have the right kind of brain for it as well. You have to have enough imagination to put yourself there. If you cannot if you cannot at any level immerse yourself, I don't think games mm-hmm. have that quality. Yeah, immersion is very important. Yeah. So if you have that, in many ways, 
you've been there, you've seen some incredible and fantastic things. You've experienced things that you will never see or feel or, or hear in real life. And I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I wouldn't say that real life, quote unquote, pales in comparison. There are obviously a lot of things that are only really rewarding in real life, like yes. establishing relationships and things like that. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, there's something magic about entering that other world and and yeah, like you say, like exploring, finding something new and incredible that you you didn't even imagine it before. Yeah. It it expands the horizons of your imagination. And I think that's that's really I think you you actually you've brought it down to a nutshell. What what I love about games is exactly the same. It's it's yeah. That's the single biggest thing is that exploration, that discovery. That's it. When you explore these things, some people say that video games can be like an escape from real life. And that's definitely true. But it's also um, a bite-sized option for relaxation. And in a way, it's a nice way to be able to explore places you've never seen without actually having to go to a foreign country because, you know, life is is very stressful for most people they have jobs and lives and responsibilities and particularly jobs where they have very little freedom yeah and yeah. it's very nice to be able to step outside of that and to take off uh you know take off your shoes sit down in the couch maybe uh and play a video game for a few hours and immerse yourself in this beautiful world like it, you can't just go to Spain for two hours to stare at the sunset there or something, you know, <laughs> uh, at the end of a workday because yeah. you got to get up in the morning to uh, to to head on uh, to work. Um, yeah, and the kind of the bite-sized chunk of fun that you can have and exploration and, and stuff is is really great, and that's what keeps me coming back. And there's so many different genres of games. We've only scratched like the surface. Yeah. Well, we've literally only addressed two overall genres. Basically, we've talked about like third-person RPGs and RPG likes, and we've talked about survival, and that's really it. That's really it. Um, and there's so <clears throat> much more out there, and so many, so many meaningful experiences and and storytelling out mm -hmm. there. It's just at a certain <clears throat> point, it's a bit overwhelming. Even like if you want to get into this stuff, like where do you start? Who knows? Yeah, we know? we had that before we were starting our notes. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was it. Was pretty. Yeah. It's one of those things where the the entire environment of your your imagination seems utterly barren. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then the closer you get to it, it seems impossibly densely populated. <laughs> yeah. But it, there's that weird oscillation point where you can't think of anything and then you can't stop thinking about things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I, I think I agree with you that it can be an escape. It can be unhealthy, definitely. It can be an alternative to reality, but it can also be a daily dose of vacation time. Yeah. And that that is not unhealthy. Um, having the ability to not think about your work, to de-stress, to relax, unwind. And that's something that not everybody has. Some people get it by going out and drinking a ton. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some people get it by doing drugs. And, you know, some people hurt themselves that way. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. If If I had to choose a way to go, games seem like a pretty reasonable one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> altogether. Yeah, I think this is the perfect conclusion that we've just drawn. 
I think we could possibly expand upon this uh, in another episode, but I think we should just say, let's call it a day. This was episode two of XP Gains. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this is me, McFain, with my amazing co-host, Mr. Silverstrike. Thank you very much for listening. And wherever you are in the world, we both want to wish you a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. See you next week.